0: Hi everybody. Good morning. Yeah, okay. Well, good morning to you though. We are still in the midst of our series in Acts, um, and I, but I just wanted to talk about, have you guys ever, have you ever skipped stones? You ever done that? Anybody not done that? We need to do that. She's done that. Um, So everybody's done that. So you know the the joy of going and picking out the perfect skipping rock? Yes? What are some of the things that go into it? Flat, okay. Not too big. Not too small, right? Kind of the weight of it. So you sit there and you heft it a little bit. We don't use the word heft. I had to use that in a sentence. Yeah, kind of roundish, but maybe not too round, more a little ovalish. You want to get your finger around it. It's how you hold it matters too, right? There's all these factors that go into that perfect skipping stone. You ever found that skipping stone? It's perfect, but then you fumble it, and it just kind of goes bloop. It doesn't even skip. It just right down in. I remember as a kid trying to do this. I remember... You know, chasing after that that perfect skipping stone, and you know, there, there's 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 something about getting that perfect stone that that will elude you so often, especially when the type of stones that are there are not those kind of stones. You know, if it's if it's just like a gravel, you just feel like you're throwing a bunch of mush into the water. If it's big rocks, you just they're just going to bloop, they're not going to skip much, maybe twice, I don't know. But this uh, this morning we are continuing on li, um, Acts, living on a mission um, that activate. Um, and the title this morning is Spirit-Filled Church. I think that um, it, it's like skipping stones when we're looking at Jesus. Well, sort of, probably not. Not, not, not going to skipping Jesus around on the water anytime soon. Although, he does have that gift of staying on. So if you could skip Jesus, he'd probably go all the way across, wouldn't he? He wouldn't sink. But I, I think that the selection process that we go through is similar. It's got to be just right, right? We're, we're just, we're in life, we're trying to find out what this life is all about. And until we find Jesus, it is really like trying to find a skipping stone. And in some ways, might be pointless without, without Jesus there being the right rock in our life. The thing is, is that Jesus, um, Jesus is, it, 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 there are these prophecies about Jesus in history, in, in, in the word, that only Jesus fits and these prophecies are kind of like those those factors that go into picking a a, a perfect skipping stone right there 's different factors to it to find that right stone it 's got to be that right heft, the right shape for your hand and there are factors in these prophecies that that only jesus fits and, and this makes him the best stone of completion that that God used in his plan of reconciliation for all of us. So last week, uh, we're we're going into uh, Acts 4, 1 through 10 and and beyond, But, but last week we see Peter and John, they're going to the temple, and as they go, Peter heals a man that has been lame from birth, and then Peter shares about the glorified servant Jesus that this man was, was healed through him, not through them, and through his death and resurrection. Okay, so, so Peter also points out um, to the people that they had a hand in sending Jesus to the cross. We saw that. He was, he was kind of blunt and, and kind of shakes up some things a bit. And this week we see some fallout from that. The Last week in chapter three, we see the first The first miracle of the church, in this healing of this lame man, Uh, and this week we get to see the first little bit of persecution in the church. Um, the The equivalent of the of the um, of the temple's mall cop shows up. I mean, hey, 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 settle down. You know, you know what I'm talking about. It's not, not somebody that really has has. You know, it's not like a, a police officer who comes and you're like, okay, yeah, yes, yes, officer. You know, like a mall cop that kind of, hey, hey, don't don't stand on that, that that part of the sidewalk is not for you. I mean, it, they can kind of come up with some of those things where it's just like, that's odd. But this is the this is their equivalent of a mall cop that comes to break up um, this group. But he comes along with the leaders. These Jewish leaders come along with him um, to break up this group that's out in the middle of the temple, and they've been sharing these things, sharing some things that they're kind of like, wait, 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 don't be sharing that about us sending Jesus to the cross. And you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees that show up. But the thing that I missed before is, you know know that the majority, um, those that were the Jewish people that were in charge when Jesus was sent to the cross were the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the ones that were in, in power at that time. When Peter is talking in the temple, it's now the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees, um, they're not just sad. I always love that. Um, the other ones weren't fair. These guys aren't sa- are so sad. Um, but the, the thing with the Sadducees is they don't believe in the resurrection. <laughs> they are sad, yeah. Um, just like the sheep song. But... The thing is, is the reason why the Pharisees aren't, are, are no longer in power, I mean, one, they have a, there's a, um, the, uh, they have a new um, high priest that's a Sadducee, so he's in control. But also, if you look at some of what's happened in the history leading up to this point, we have some Pharisees that have come to the Lord, Nicodemus, he came at night and he talks to Jesus and, 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 and we're pretty sure that, that um, Joseph of Arimathea who, who shared his tomb briefly with Jesus was also a Pharisee. And there's, there's some others. Um, but now the Sadducees kind of get their turn at this. And there's another large group that believe in Jesus in spite of... Uh, of, of Peter and, and John being taken into custody. So they get to this point where they, they're, they're getting taken into custody and there's, it, it just mentions kind of offhandedly that another 5,000 men come to the Lord. And, and I think that's funny because it's, it's like, um, how would that go? How would that feel for those Sadducees to be like, oh, they're all seeing. Jesus oh, what you know they 've just had this preaching, and these guys get ushered off, kind of like it 's the end of their their sermon and and everybody 's kind of cheering and whatever and and all of a sudden they go off to to be um, held overnight because of speaking the name of Jesus. This is a dif- different peter isn 't it? Do you remember the last time that Peter was in, in proximity to the temple? Do you remember how he responded? To the name of Jesus? How do you respond? He denied him. He denied he even knew him. He denied he even hung out with him, right? And yet, what do we see in Peter now? Boldness. We see a Peter that is, that is speaking from a place of the Holy Spirit indwelling in him and speaking through him. And, and even to the point where he is... He's stirring it up a little bit. He's, he's sticking a stick into the hornet's nest, and he's... And 5,000 people were brought to the Lord. Right? These Sadducees hear them, and they hear, they, they hear these guys, and they're like, wow, these guys, these guys really know what they're talking about, but they look like... They kind of look like knuckleheads. They're fishermen. They, they're uneducated. But they're speaking with authority. They're speaking with a boldness. And they're speaking things that come from prophecy. And they're speaking it with a boldness as though they were scholars of those prophecies. This confidence reminds me of rock climbing. Anybody rock climbing here? Anybody ever, ever try it? Anybody said no way in heck? Okay, there's a few of you. Um, I like rock climbing, but I do not have the stature for rock climbing. Rock climbing, uh, John, you, you got to have a little smaller stature because i got to lift all of this. Oh. It ain't happening. Um, but there's, there's something about this, this rock climbing. Um, th- th- when, you, when you set up for rock climbing um, on a place where you're going to rock climb over and over again, you set up an anchor point. Right? You go up and, and somebody climbs up to the top or goes around and gets up there and, and they set up an anchor point at the top where you can, you can belay up and down over and over again. It's safer that way. I mean, the person going up by themselves, they're kind of you know, kind of locking themselves in as they go up, right? Then they get up there at anchor point and then you can go up and down real easy. But I think that the first thought here we're going to go into is that Jesus is our anchor point as the church, Jesus is that anchor point that we are anchoring ourselves as the church to. We're connected to him and him alone. Our confidence is in Jesus. That's that confidence we see that Peter has. He has this confidence in Jesus to be able to say in the temple. Things like Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And you know what? You guys kind of were a part of putting him on the cross, You should repent and come to Jesus. I mean, is that boldness? These are the people that send him to the cross. They could send him to the cross. But he's talking in this boldness, knowing that even if that's the the outcome that he's facing, that he's going to stand for Jesus. He's not going to deny him again. Um, Matthew 16, 18 says, and I tell you, you are Peter, And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. So, I've heard this a number of times. So, is Jesus saying that he's going to build the church on Peter? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody out there? You can respond. It's okay. Is he saying that he's going to build on Peter church? he was not going to build his church on Peter. When, when Jesus said this, they were, they were sitting in Caesarea Philippi. So let's, let's kind of back it up here. They're at Caesarea Philippi. This is at the foot of Mount Hermon, okay? If you've seen Mount Hermon, it's this real rocky, just craggy looking mountain. And where, where Caesarea Philippi is, there, there's, um, it, it was, at one point, it was a, uh, there was a temple of Pan, Remember Pan, the little flute, right, and, and there were all these little temples around at the foot of this, this mountain, and when they get there, it, it's, it's somewhat um, gotten past that a bit, but they're standing there, and Jesus is standing, talking to him and the other disciples, and I, I can see this rock being behind him, right? And he's, he's got rocks that are around. It's like, it's like he starts talking about rocks. And when he says it, the words that he uses, when he calls Peter, see, Peter is also not Peter's original name. What's his original name? Simon. Jesus nicknames him Peter. But he nicknames him Petros, which is the rock. So, Yeah the rock. But when he says about the rock that he will build his church on, he uses the word Petra while standing in front of Mount Hermon. Peter has this great confidence because he knows what rock he is anchored to. He is anchored to Jesus, the Messiah. Yes, it is his testimony. But ultimately, that's what Jesus was saying is he's saying, Petros? I will build my church on the Petra. He's talking about himself. Peter states clearly who Jesus is in Acts 4, um, 11 through 12. And it says, this, this Jesus is the stone that, that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among uh, given among men by which we must be saved. That must, it's not just, there's no under, other name under heaven that, You may be saved. It's must be saved. We proclaim the name of Jesus and we must be saved. The second thought that we're going through this morning is that Jesus is the instrument of our humility. To bring us to a humble place, Jesus is that instrument. You know that? Again, Peter was was speaking words from the Old Testament here. He's speaking prophetic words that we see in the Old Testament, um, and, and that everyone there would know. When he talks about this, people are going, "Wait, that's in prophecy." Psalm one eighteen. Um, Twenty-one through twenty-two says, "I thank um, I thank you that you have answered me and that um, and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So that's that same those same words that, that hundreds of years before were written about Jesus. This is a bit of a, a shame on you to these theologically elect." It's a little bit of a shame on you to those that had voted that Jesus go to the cross. Another spot that we find this is actually in Isaiah 8, 12 through 15. It says, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, and here it comes, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread, and he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense. Those seem contrary, right? Don't they? They feel like they're contrary. Maybe it's a little bit of a um, paradox, paradoxical relationship. And a rock of stumbling. Stumbling. To both houses of Israel, and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it, and they shall fall and be broken, and they shall be snared and taken. God has become, in, in, in these prophecies, God has become a, both a sanctuary for those that believe and an obstacle to those that don't. This is to humble us. When I talked about, um, a while ago, I talked about humiliation is probably a better word because it, it, when we say humility or humbleness, we've used those a lot. But when you say humiliation, we are taken to a place of humiliation. It helps us to see how far we need to go, how much needs to be stripped away when we come to the Lord. Jesus restates this and takes it even a step further, when you see him talking about this in Matthew 21, 42, 42 through 44, it says, Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, you the Jewish people, and given to a people producing its fruits, anyone else. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. So Jesus is again referencing that God is a stone, this this stone of sanctuary and an obstacle. Though the inference in this is that Jesus is that stone. Are we catching that? he goes on to further refine this idea than what we've seen in, in Isaiah um, about this idea of the obstacle because it, it's, it's this little duality that he breaks it down to um, being broken and being crushed. These are two outcomes of this obstacle. So if, if somebody does not believe and they come up against the obstacle of Jesus, these are the two op- options that they've got. And Jesus also stated that the kingdom would be taken from his people and given to someone else, to us. The idea of, of either falling on a rock, I think sometimes people think that if we fall on a rock or if the rock falls on us, the outcome is the same. But it is not. We are made to be broken. He'll mend us. He'll, he'll put us together. We're made to be those, those, those broken vessels uh, these broken vessels that he still finds useful that he puts together and he, he, he knits together. But when you are crushed, how hard is it to put glass back together if you crush it compared to just breaking it? And that, that's the difference in pride and humility. If we come into contact with Jesus and we're at a place where we can receive it humbly, we will fall on Jesus. And be broken. But if we're at a place of pride, and we just are like, no, that's, that's not for me, the rock will still fall on them. And it will crush them. The third thought we have this morning is that Jesus rejected by builders is our foundation. The builders in this are the religious leaders, and And they kind of knew this but but um jesus is it takes it a, a bit further when he was talking about this um, that these builders rejected these these religious leaders rejected jesus, and ultimately he's become the foundation of everything he 's become the foundation of the kingdom, the foundation of the life the, the way, the truth and the life he is that 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 focal point for us. Can you imagine Peter sharing this in the midst of uh, of the temple in the midst of these these leaders and these people and having been been through what happened with the cross and having heard rumors or, or met people that have met Jesus after the fact, how primed were a lot of these people to hear about Jesus and to fall on that Jesus? So that little, little moment where it says, oh, and 5,000 people were saved. I mean, just it, everything else in here is really deep and heavy, but there's just that moment where it's 5,000 people came to the Lord in spite of these guys being taken into prison. They were tried the next day, sort of. Because they kind of got to a place where they're like, we can't really contest anything they're saying, so let's just send them out. You know, the, the big crowd isn't there now, so let's just, just send them out. I I, I think that when I when I look at Peter, there's a lot of times where I I have this affinity to Peter, but I have an affinity to the the, the pre crucifixion Peter, <laughs> the 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 taste of my own foot, I seem to like it, like Peter did, because he would say things just off the cuff and and end up like oh yeah I guess that doesn't mean, yeah no that was probably not the right thing to say or or he would he would. He would say things that were pretty honest and and amazing because he he was the one that professed Jesus as being Messiah. Wasn't the right timing. He would say things that Jesus even turns around and is like, get behind me, Satan. However, post-crucifixion, Peter is like a superhero. Superhero a superhero of the faith because he is listening to the Holy Spirit and he's going to go out and he's going to profess the name of Jesus, even in the place where Jesus was convicted and sent to the cross. Maybe this is where I'm, I'm going to be um, following Jesus. It's probably what was going through his mind a little bit. But he wasn't going to back off. He was going to share who Jesus was. May we connect into this anchor point of Jesus. May we connect to Jesus so firmly and so true that we would share in this way this confidence that we could, we could hang from that cliff with just a tether and feel like we're standing on firm, solid ground. May we have that relationship with Jesus, that anchor point. May we fall on Jesus and be broken but not crushed. May we be fruitful for the kingdom as a church on mission. May we be fruitful. May we not be like those that were said in, in in that scripture that was saying that God will the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. May we be that people that produce the fruit. May we be that people. Lord. This is a pretty fr- profound Place, pretty profound moment for the church because we saw the church coming together in Acts 2. We saw kind of the preliminary. This is all the stuff that we look at and we go, oh, yeah, that's church. There's, there's, there's church there. And then the church was meeting in the temple and could have ended right there. They could have gathered everybody up and ended it right there, but I don't think so. I think the Holy Spirit was going after some more in those leaders, before it went out to the Gentile. But what would have happened if those leaders would have turned right then, would have fallen on Jesus? We don't know. Because it didn't. But it's amazing to me that right here I think was a, is a further launching point of the church because that confidence that happened, more people came to the Lord, they walked out of there with their heads held high because they did not deny Jesus. And they were going out as fruitful, anchored people of the Lord. Go ahead and set your stuff aside.